0: This morning we're going to be reading from Acts chapter 1, verse 1 to 11, and Ephesians 1, 15 to 23. We just ask the Holy Spirit to open his word to us. So, Acts chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day he was taken up into heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of forty days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking up into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15 to 23. the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. That power is the same mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Let me begin by just adding my greeting to everyone else's. Uh, for those who I haven't met, my name is Zishan, and it's my great privilege as always uh, to bring the word this morning. As most of you will know, uh, we as a church have been going through a sermon series in Acts of the Apostles. This morning, we're going to take somewhat of a break in that sermon series. I say somewhat because we're going back, we're returning to the first thing we saw in Acts. That's the ascension of our Lord. Everything we have witnessed in Acts follows this amazing event. In the church, there are certain moments in Jesus' life that we really stress. Jesus' birth, his death, his resurrection, it's good and right to do so. But for some reason, we don't stress the ascension enough. We can overlook this vital aspect of the work of Christ. Well, I've got a couple goals this morning. I want us to reflect on the ascension. I want us to consider what it is and importantly, what it isn't. And in doing so, I want us to come to an understanding of why it is so important. And then I want to speak to mission. In our second reading this morning, which was from Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is praying for the saints in Ephesus, praying that they have fresh wisdom and insight in knowing things as they really and truly are. This is so they can appreciate the Christian hope they have and the inheritance that is theirs, that they can grasp the incomparable power of God that they may fully appreciate what it means that Christ is raised from the dead and now is ascended and seated at the right hand of the Father. What an awesome prayer. What an awesome prayer that Paul prays for the church in Ephesus. Let me begin by praying that for us also. Let's pray. Almighty and heavenly Father, I pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that we may know the hope to which you have called us, to know the riches of your glorious inheritance for your holy people and to know your incomparably great power for us who believe. Father, I pray that as we reflect on the ascension of our Lord, that we may be in complete and utter awe of what has happened and may that drive us to the mission that you call us to. I pray this for your glory and for our benefit. In Christ Jesus, amen. Let's turn to Acts 1. So, following Jesus' raising from the dead, he's been raised from the dead, then Luke notes that Jesus spent 40 days being bodily present with his disciples and his apostles. And this time, Jesus continues to teach about the kingdom of heaven, no doubt preparing them, and importantly, providing them convincing proofs that he is truly alive not just some disembodied spirit returned to them, but that he is raised from the dead and has a resurrection body and he is truly with them in the flesh. What happened on day 40? He is taken up to heaven before their very eyes. He was taken up and a cloud hid hid him from their sight. This is the ascension of our Lord Jesus. His last act on earth is to be taken up and to be seated at the right hand of the Father. Why does Jesus leave his disciples? Surely this is something we shouldn't be celebrating, but it's a feast day. Wouldn't it have been better if Jesus had stayed with them? There's an absolutely beautiful account of Mary Magdalene, this close follower of Jesus, in John's Gospel. Mary encounters the risen Lord. He was dead, and so she was mourning, she was grieving. But now, now she hears the Lord call her name. She sees her Lord before her very eyes, alive. So she embraces him, she grabs him. She had lost him, and now she clings to him, so that she can never lose him again. But Jesus says to her, do not hold me. Do not hold on to me, Mary for I have not ascended to my Father. On the surface, we can read the ascension as Jesus leaving us and leaving this world. We can read the ascension in a way that puts heaven and earth at odds with one another. Jesus leaves the material world and enters some heavenly realm, and now we wait it out till we can get there also. This is exactly what the ascension is not. If we read the ascension in a way that makes us think that we have less of Jesus' presence, then we fail to grasp it. The ascended Jesus is intimately connected with his people. He is present to his people. If Jesus remains on earth in this realm, if you like, he remains with certain limitations. He is truly human. He has a real body a transformed, resurrected one, but a real body nonetheless. Therefore, he can only be present to one spot at one moment. Mary, don't hold on to me. I need to ascend to my Father. It is to our benefit. We don't just have access to Jesus in one place at one moment. Now we can speak and relate with him in any place at any time. As Jesus now enters the presence of the Father... He is glorified and has a universal and timeless scope. Jesus is present in an intimate way for all who are in him. That is the church. Look, I want to sketch out what the ascension means so we can come to understand why it is so important. Paul in Ephesians is praying that we might know the hope to which we have been called to, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his incomparably great power, that we might know these three things and all three things benefit us, the church. In all three, Jesus makes his presence known to us. Firstly, let's talk about inheritance. Jesus' ascension into heaven is also a foretaste of what will happen to heaven and earth, what will happen to us. We are heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ Jesus. It is our inheritance. Jesus, who is truly alive with a resurrected body, takes humanity into God's space. Jesus does not leave earth as to escape it. No, rather he brings humanity into heaven, which demonstrates that this world, this material, our bodies will be redeemed and transformed just as Jesus has. The divide between the spiritual heaven and the material world is one that Jesus breaks. It's important to note, Jesus says this, that unless he leaves the advocate, the Holy Spirit cannot come. So as humanity enters God's space through the ascended Jesus, the Spirit of God enters into our space. God makes us dwelling our bodies The Holy Spirit enters into the redeemed in Christ Jesus. The ascension of Jesus makes clear that one day heaven and earth will come together. The heavenly angels, men in white, make that clear. They say this, the same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back to you in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. The sending of the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus to us and God's commitment that there will be a restoration. The disciples and apostles could not and cannot truly know Jesus without the Holy Spirit. Do not ever think that if you walked and lived with Jesus 2,000 years ago that you would somehow know him better. The Holy Spirit reveals Christ to you. He allows us to abide in Christ. Our inheritance is the reunification of God and creation. Healing of the brokenness between humanity and God. The ascension in principle demonstrates that this will happen. And the Holy Spirit, we read, is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Secondly, let's look at hope. Importantly, the ascended Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is now engaged in his work of mediating between us and the Father. Within the old covenant, God's presence dwelt in the temple. More specifically, the Holy of Holies. Who had access to it? Not everyone. Only the high priest who would go in and he would mediate between God's people and God, allowing them to access God's forgiveness and blessing. In the new covenant, do we need a priest interceding on our behalf? Do we need a mediator between us and God? Yes. The answer is yes, and we have one, the high priest Jesus. This is important. Hebrews 4 expresses it this way. Jesus lived the human experience. All our weaknesses and brokenness and temptations, Jesus lived it all. Though importantly, he lived it without sinning. He lived the perfect life. Jesus, as the representative of humanity, now ascended before God, is accepted and vindicated by the Father. The Father looks at him and sees no flaw. How could he? And now the ascended Jesus on our behalf advocates for us, mediates for us, continues to represent us. This allows us to approach God with confidence, not because of anything we have done, but because of what Jesus has done and because of who Jesus is. The ascended Jesus guarantees that you can know you are forgiven, know you are accepted and delighted in by the Father, If you are in Christ Jesus, that is, this is our only hope, to be in Jesus and have him be our representative before God our Father. Lastly, let's talk about power. The ascension of Jesus is his ultimate enthronement. We read that God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The risen and now ascended Christ, as our reading from Ephesians articulates, is head over all things. Notice, please, head over all things, not just the church, though that's true. Jesus is the ruler and authority over everything. He has dominion over everything. That means he is Lord and King over all history, every human, every institution, every power, whether that be demonic or heavenly or earthly. Jesus Christ is King. He is sovereign over every part of the created order. Nothing can stand against the ascended Christ. And importantly, he has head over everything... For the church, for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him. Tim Keller articulates this well. He controls all things for the church, and therefore you can face the world with peace in your heart. He's at the right hand of God as the executive director of history, directing everything for the benefit of the church. If you belong to him, then everything that happens ultimately happens for you. Jesus ascends not to escape earth, but to properly put everything where it should be, under his dominion and under his rule. And importantly, we happy believers are given power. That very Jesus, who is now King and Lord of all, the one who has complete power, gives power to his people. But you will receive, Jesus promised, power when the Holy Spirit comes to you. The Ascension, it provides great encouragement to those who believe in Jesus as Savior and Lord, who treasure Jesus above everything else. Yet I know there are those here who do not yet believe or treasure Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I pray that as I have been articulating these truths of Jesus, that you will come to see them and the enormous value that you are missing this is something you cannot earn. This is a free gift received through faith in Jesus. Repent and believe in the good news. If you want to speak to someone after the service, I, I do just encourage you to take that opportunity. Receive prayer. And to you now who believe in the ascended Lord, who treasure him, is the ascension not something that should bring us to complete another utter awe? Shouldn't it take our breath away? Are you not in total shock in what it means for us as the church? As I begin to wrap up, I want to speak to mission. The ascension is not some ethereal, strange doctrine, it's real, and therefore it has real implications. Let me briefly articulate two missional implications on this Mission Sunday. I began with articulating how it is a misunderstanding to view the ascension as an absence of Jesus in our lives. The ascended Jesus is present to us who are in him. It is the very presence of Jesus in us that drives us to be missional we are called to take his presence among us to the ends of the earth. Jesus' final command on earth, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and all of Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Then Jesus ascends, and you have the disciples staring up at the sky, aimlessly waiting, grieving the loss. They are rebuked. Men of Galilee... Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. I wonder if the church is often in a state of looking up at the sky, aimlessly waiting, hoping that we could just escape this world too. We are called to take his presence among us to the ends of the earth. The task is to share the hope and inheritance we have, to demonstrate the incomparable power of God. The ascended Christ wants us to bring all things under his rule and power and dominion that requires us to take his presence in all areas of life. We might like neat divides. Jesus' authority is over the church. Well, no, that's not how it works. Jesus' authority is over all, and he is bringing heaven and earth together and has commanded us to be unashamedly joining in that work. We need to be uncompromised witnesses to Jesus Christ, risen, ascended, glorified, who is now ruler of this world. Importantly, this is not something we do in our own strength. By no means. The ascended Jesus, who is present to us, is directing us, enabling us, sustaining us. The ascension means that there is also an urgency to mission. The same Jesus who has been taken up into heaven will come back. Jesus went into heaven, but will one day return as our conquering king. He will come back to judge the living and the dead. Jesus' coming back is something that we eagerly long for, we desire, we pray, come Lord Jesus. But we also know that when Jesus comes back, he will cast out all things that are not united to him. That includes all people who do not believe in him. This should motivate us. We must take the call to mission seriously and with urgency, This Jesus is coming back to judge the world. We see in Acts the church risks everything for the mission that Jesus has given to them. They don't continue to look up at the sky and retreat from the world around them. But through the prompting of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, because of the hope they hold so closely and the glorious inheritance that is theirs, they charge into the world around them. Like a thunderbolt, they strike. Nothing stands in their way from witnessing to Christ in all they are doing. They're persecuted and even led to the slaughter. They go to the dark, dirty, despised places, all because they desire to make Christ's presence known. They face trouble, hardship, famine, nakedness, danger, and sword, all because they desire to make Christ's presence known. They leave the comfort of looking aimlessly upward and direct their attention towards the mission field. They are aware of the fierce judgment to come they are aware that some will not enter into the presence of Christ, therefore they understand the urgency they understand the urgency. Can I end with this? This is a from a hymn I really love. Do not stand and stare and wonder. Do not stand and stare and in wonder into the sky above. You have seen the wondrous glory of the risen Lord of love. And just as you have seen him ascend into the skies, so shall your living Saviour return before your eyes. Alleluia, alleluia, we praise our God and King. Alleluia, alleluia, your people ever sing. Hope Church, let us today especially rejoice in the magnitude of the ascension, the hope we have the riches of his glorious inheritance and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Let us rejoice in the presence of Jesus in our lives. I hope we will go away reflecting and marveling and praising God for what he has done through the ascension of Jesus. However, I hope we do not stare and stand in wonder. The ascended Jesus wants us to be witnesses to his glory in the world around us and to make his presence known. Again, this is not something we do in our own strength or in our own power. So let's pray now to close and ask God for help to be able to engage in this mission. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we adore you. You are our Savior. We pray that we know your presence deeply and intimately at every moment, at every breath. We want you to return while we are comforted by your presence in your extended state. We want, you to be, we want to be with you in the new heavens and the new earth. We want to dwell with you. However, Father, I just pray, let us not get lost in standing and staring in wonder. Help us not to neglect the task that you have given us. We know that right before Jesus' ascension, he instructed your apostles to be witnesses to the ends of the earth upon receiving the Holy Spirit. May we here who love the Lord Jesus, who believe in his ascension, may we receive afresh your holy spirit, May we be inspired to spread your gospel message and word and deed according to your will for us. And may we do so urgently and joyfully with your help, your guidance, and your grace. Help us to remember this glorious event. Help us to seek you more and more. Amen.